Hello and welcome to the T's and C's podcast. My name is Tasha Duffy. And I'm Christine Barnes. We're all guilty of sending podcast length voice notes, so we decided to share them with you. In this week's episode, we have Derek Rowe from the D-Rowe Method. He tells us where his addiction started, about his mental health struggles, and how his method changed himself and so many other people's lives. Right, so Derek, do you want to take us back to the start and start from the beginning? Where did you grow up? What was it like when you were growing up? So basically, right, okay, I grew up in a bit of a madhouse. It, it is, it was what it was back then, which was fair, you know, you're an Irish home that liked to drink. Um, you know, I suppose there was a lot of shit involved, really. And I have, um, there's five kids, so I'm the youngest. And we would have, you know, we would have experienced trauma, but I don't really want to touch on that because, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, yeah. my dad is my dad. My, my mother's long past. But myself from a young age, lads, it was like I fucking hated who I was. And I'm talking like five and six. I didn't like who I was. And I was a very unhappy child. So if you fast forward even to, and I was big into football. It's so a big into soccer, sorry. I was a decent soccer player. So that sort of took my took my mind off what was happening in my life, which was fine. But the reality then at about 10, my mother left my dad and I stayed with my father. So it was only me and him. It was, it was a lonely place for me. It was like, okay, I was doing okay. But then everything just dipped. I went very low. I seemed to have lost everything. So then I got infatuated with drug dealers on the Sunday world. Wow. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I said, right, this is what I want to do. I fucking want to be a drug dealer. So <laughs> serious. Yeah. What age was this at? At 10. What? Yeah. So. But like you were from there, Wexford and you lived on a farm. Like where was the local drug dealer? Oh, sure. Listen, I know when I tell my story, people are going like, and even when they knew me, like people in my 20s going, did, no one believed I was a right. farmer yeah. when I was in my teenage years and 20s. said, you're bullshit and I said I'm not I said I'll bring you to my house like I'll show you so basically what happened then just with fast forward to school I left school 14 15 I was asked to leave so I was asked to I was expelled from about four or five different schools in the area I was sent to live with different family members so you could say I was a bit of a delinquent but no one ever like when I look back now they were putting the blame on me but really wasn't my fault at a young age do you understand what i'm saying it's easy send Derek to a counselor it's easy send oh go live with your grandmother yeah and by the end of i was there fuck this so i started selling hash in school i think it was in halfway through first year it wasn't very successful bits and pieces so from there i moved to london i just told my mother one day i said i'm going to london i'm 900 quid in my pocket what do you i said i'm just going so i went over there I lived in squats for a year, you know, taking fucking ease, you and I, but I was, I was taking and whatever. what age was, were you here? 16. Wow. Why did you turn around at 16 to be like, mom, I'm going to London and see you? But that, that was the way it was. It yeah. was a very strange, I don't know, it was a strange time for me. I came back, I then start selling these myself in my clubs. But... I knew one day I'd get caught. Now, I always had some type of... Now, I'm not here glorifying this. You asked me oh, a question. No, no, yeah, of course. Not, for any listeners, I'm not glorifying it. But I then um, had a brainwave. So I started meeting a lot of people. So I met I've, I met a lot of Dublin heads, and I got in, and I did my apprenticeship. I did this proper. Like, I was going to be a drug dealer, and that was it. So I did it the right way. I met the right people, made the right contacts. And to fast forward into my 20s, I was selling kilos of cocaine, making a lot of money, and very fucking depressed and unhappy. I had my own house at 21. I drove a car worth 100 grand. 
I fucking was still collecting me doll. It was a bullshit lifestyle. Now, I traveled the world. I've seen everything, but I was a heavy consumer of cocaine. I did not want to live. I was that unhappy with myself. I, I looked at myself, why am I doing what I'm doing? My mother didn't want me in the house. No, none of my family wanted me around. And here's Derek driving around um, fancy shirts. But really, the reality was my my out my internal was bleak. It was dark. How did you start taking drugs yourself? Like, what was it just you were just in that in that um, world with those people that you just decided to do it, or were you looking for an escape? Like, what? How did it lead you to that? Oh, pure escape. Like, yeah. remember I smoked. So the first time I took drugs, like you would have knack, you know, knacker drinking. Yeah, of like, course. Younger, but. I suppose first year, you know, I met a guy in school. The school I went to, it was a rough school. It was the only school I wanted to go to. Uh, I won't mention it. (laughs) (laughs) I fought a lot. The reason I was expelled is because I wanted to make a name for myself. So I fought every boy in there. It didn't fucking matter whether we were four years older. I was fighting. And I didn't like that, but I thought I had to... I yeah. had this pretense. It was a bullshit facade I had built. And then, okay, Derek, you're fighting him. I'd have to accept it. So I was going into school terrified, actually, if I'm being completely transparent, terrified every day because I had to fight. Yeah. So then I smoked a joint and then joint led to mushrooms, ease, cocaine, not so much till 19 because cocaine didn't really hit Ireland. Like I'm 40 now. So we will say about 21 years ago is when cocaine really came into Ireland and, uh, yeah, that's when I start consuming and I start selling it then a year later. And what did it do for you? Like, did it give you more confidence to talk to people? Because obviously cocaine's not widely known as a drug that people use for escape. They normally use yeah. it for more confidence or to get themselves out there. What was the reason behind it just to experiment? Well, to experiment, but also it's like what you had said. It, it was to escape. It was like, you know, anyone heavy consuming drugs on a day-to-day basis it's not the drugs. This is the problem I have with this therapy and fucking treatment and all. That's the problem. Isn't the drugs? The problem is an internal issue. That's something that's gone on. Like, Mm. and for me, a lot had gone on. So I suppose I was fighting back in a way. So yeah, listen, pleasure at the start, but pleasure soon turns into chaos and soon turns into an absolute nightmare because like, you know, whatever about ease, but I used to be the last man standing type of thing, and I took pride in it. It's very sad, like, even saying this to you guys, but I took pride in being that last person. I could take more ease than you, bloody blah. I can take more coke than anyone. It was pure bullshit, like, the whole... So, like, that's what I did with cocaine. I, I woke up in the morning, probably lasted an hour, I'm, I'm on cocaine. And I'm talking, yeah, I, I, it was quite a large amount I was taking. That's crazy. <clears throat> Pardon me. But even now, I think in today's society, I still think that's ringing true. Do you think? Yeah. Like, I know it's trying to explain to my parents now, like I've never taken cocaine um, or anything like that. But I say to my mom and dad, you're doing a good job because you scared the life out of me. I always believed if I take that, I'm going to die. That's what I always thought. It wasn't the fact of of doing it and getting hooked or becoming an addict. I never thought about that. I just thought, if I take that, I'm going to die. I'm going to be that one person in the newspaper that died taking that and my mom and dad will have shame for it. That's what I always thought. But yeah. I am now the minority, I feel. Like the likes of us, that we are the real minority in society at the minute. It used to be when we were 17, 18, that it would only be a small amount of people and they would be the people taking drugs. Now we're the minority as the people who aren't taking drugs. 
what do you think, where do you think that came from, why it became so big? Well, you see, I talk, we have a lot of members in my programme, 99% cocaine, because it's, it's obviously what I talk about. So, like, it, it's, we would say, my niche, but it's, I have deep experience in it. Right, it is the pandemic. Forget about that bullshit with COVID. This is the pandemic, and I'm telling you, it is cocaine. It is ruining people. Like, people are on their knees, and a lot of it, a lot of it has been, we will say, multiplied with COVID. So COVID just destroyed a lot of people because what's happening is you're sitting indoors. Now, I wasn't at that time. So COVID for me, I moved countries and stuff like that and actually began to prosper again, right? But for most people, say they were occasional users. Now they're at home. They don't have a job to go to. Drug dealers will put, they don't even have to, to text. Yeah. And they don't even have to meet someone that throw through the letterbox. So if you're starting with it, so guys I'd be speaking to once a week, it's then turned into their missus is doing it, their kids are upstairs. Now they're doing it three times a week. Now they're doing it four times a week. Now it's a fucking 100 day habit. Now it's a 200 day habit. I'm talking to guys who are blasting 500 pounds sterling a day on that shit. Oh my God. So like you're talking, you know, that's the pandemic. And I'm telling you, it didn't help. But I do believe what you said. I do believe you're in the minority because I live in Malta. It's the same. It's Jesus Christ. Everybody is on powder, like, of some description. It's just crazy, yeah, yeah. how wild it is. Like, I don't understand how it became so, like, accepted almost. Yeah. That so people wow. are just like, oh, they're doing whatever, yeah. having a buzz, like... But I've seen, I've heard of kids going to like teenage discos and getting a bag instead of getting a bag of cans or can because it's actually cheaper to get a bag of coke with their mates than to get like a load of drink it's mad i just i can't i just can't comprehend how it's so okay now how like at a certain point a few years ago i remember going out before the pandemic just And it used to be that when you went to bars and clubs, everyone was so anti. We don't want that in here. We don't want that in here. And all of a sudden it was like a a switch flipped. We want them in here because they're the ones that spend the money. They're the ones that stay here, like you said, all night, last man standing. And I have unfortunately come across people in the last couple of years of my life where I've seen what you've just described, that they want to be Billy Big Bollocks. They want to be, watch what I can do. I'll stay up until tomorrow. I don't need to sleep. I'll still go to work on Monday. And you're like, why do you want to do that? But again, I don't think it's the drugs. That's the problem. I think it's the inner, like there's something going on inside those people, like what Derek is saying. Yeah. Like it's to cover something. You're just covering it, covering it. I'm the big man, but you're not. You're like, he, as you said, you were lonely, like when you were growing up and then you made, you had this whole persona of being the big man. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll smash their head in. I'll be the big lad in the room. But it's because inside he feels so lonely. Is that Would that be right? Well, it's like, ask anyone like that. It's you, I probably was the most fearful person yeah. there. But you portrayed in a complete opposite way to people. And it was the complete sham. Like, if I look back now, listen, I look back on my life and honestly, I believe I had to go through that to be where I am now. So my life, so like someone asked say, me, because... I'm online a few years, right? And there's an American woman um, signed up with me just, say, 18 months ago. And she said, what, what qualifications, chef? I said, I don't fucking have any. I said, I'll tell you what, I have a PhD in life experience. She said, I'm yeah. signing up with you. I like exactly what you said. Because there's all this bullshit in books. And listen, you're talking to a man who's been 
by his mom was sent to therapy at 13, right? So I went through the whole system, doctors, therapy, fucking locked up, year in treatment. I've been there, done it, nothing worked. So, like, I questioned, I was a year in a house in um, Ballybag in Waterford, right? So there was 10 of us there. We were six months in and we were still talking about drugs. I said, lads, this, this is bullshit. It was this like a, was this a rehab? It was a rehab, so it was a secondary. Okay. So I did primary 28 days in Wexford, and then I was sent here because, like, 28 days wasn't enough for someone like me. So I was there. This is bullshit. I said, what do you mean? I said, we were talking about an addiction that none of us have. We we're sober. What are you going on about? This is more than this. Now, I didn't know what it was, but I didn't know what I know now. So I was right in what I was saying because, you know, the success rate of that is, I don't think there is any type of success in that. Like, if you think about what I'm about to say, if I'm going to talk about your problems consistently, your mind is going to focus on the problems, which actually causes more thought process about problems. It makes absolutely no sense, that system. But, you know, with the cocaine, yeah, it's like people don't know what's going on. It's the simplest, but I suppose... What we do here, we we listen to the conversations every day, and it's like like we get two hundred messages a week between TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Like I go viral most weeks on Facebook and TikTok, mm-hmm. and I'm only telling a story, uh, but the story is talking directly <laughs> to the person because they're there, man. You fucking described me, and I'm not talking. By the way, there's women doing the same. Yeah, yeah, exact same. Mothers doing the exact same, bringing their kids to school high. They never did this. A lot of this only happened because of the what COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, it's brought a lot of problems. It's multiplied problems that were underlying, and it's now gone boom and exploded. And somebody's making a lot of money out of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. a few people, Jesus I reckon. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. So you said you you brushed upon it really quickly, but your mental health. How yeah. did all of the drugs and your lifestyle affect that? Did it, you get worse over time? Did you come to a point where you were like, I just don't want to be here anymore? Tell us a bit about that journey. It absolutely destroyed my mental health. Like you're talking to fella, right? Who was already paranoid about what he was doing. Now I'm consuming four to five grams of cocaine a day on top of that. I'm sitting up all night by myself because I actually don't want to be around anyone anymore because this is what happens, right? So you see, I'll tell you about the glamour of cocaine now. It's very glamorous when you start doing it first. You see, you said about confidence, and that's true. You're out and it's great. You know, you're only doing a little bit. It's a Saturday night. You're having a few beers. Fucking great. You're back to a party a little late night. But what the reality is, where it brings you is sitting by yourself because you actually don't want to be around people. So what I was doing... This was even in my young 20s, and I thought I was getting away with it. So I snorted one day to Friday night. I couldn't wait because I could go out with my friends the weekend. And they even said to me, said, Dick, you look fucked, man. You were on that all day. I said, no, 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 it's only the weekends because I had free rain then on a weekend because we were out in the pub. But, you know, for me, yeah, I wanted to be on my own. I lost then my family over it as well. Um, So this was like, sorry, even in my 20s. So I'd lost everything I had. Good women in my life, lost them. Lost family members. I had a lot of people, you know, a lot of people close to me died, you know, in the space of two years. So three friends die, all related to drugs, by the way. Um, my mother, my grandmother, and my auntie in the space of two years. So that added fuel to the fire for yeah. me. And then 
Do you know, and I'm not ashamed to say this. I made good money. I made a good living out of selling cocaine, right? And it was disgusting saying this to you. But that's the reality of it. I'm here to share. I'm not here to glamorize. I'm here to share. And this is the fucking reality. The reality, it brings you to a place by yourself where you are too scared to even fucking move in case someone in the next house hears you. It's weird shit, like. And this is the story I hear a lot because when I portray my story, People are going, you're talking to me. This is what we're doing like. And they're doing a binder, misses us back. Mm-hmm. They're, oh, I have to go buy a pack of cigarettes. They're going for a fucking drive in their car, snorting it. They're, mate, they're just, it's it's just a fantasy land, that, that whole, whole. And whole did you thing. ever get into trouble yeah, for drug dealing yeah. or like get caught or anything like that? Right question, right. So you see, I. I was a little, I'm not going to say I was any more clever, but I was there, right, if I keep doing this in a nightclub, I'm going to get caught. So what's the best way of doing it? I don't touch it and I get other people to do it. So I used to, I was a middleman. So I said this in a story, it was an armchair drug dealer. And somebody just, what the fuck's an armchair drug dealer? Well, I'll tell you what I used to do. Honestly, the first Saturday of every month, I'd organize it. Two people collecting the drop around to four different towns. I'd collect the money a week later. That's all I ever did. And then I would go, I would keep a bar for myself. I'd get someone to hide it and I would take an ounce out of that whenever I wanted to start. So that's how I did business. And that is the reason why I was never caught. Wow. And I know this is going to be quite a a question that's not normally asked, but I feel like I really want to ask it. The place that you were in while you were taking drugs, that dark place, did you ever have Mm. any guilt or any fear that what you were doing could put someone else in that position or could have ended somebody else's life? Well, you say, no, I didn't think about it because I was in such a dark place and I have to be straight up with yeah, you. No. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm sure people are there, what the fuck, what do you mean? But I was in such a bad place myself. My, my mood was on the floor. And you see, I'm already paranoid, right, going around the place. I'm already having to associate with people I don't want to associate with because I wasn't like those people I associated with. And I don't mean any bad here, but I wasn't going out committing violence on people. Now, this was in school. I was fighting. Now, if I had to get in a fight, I'd get in a fight. But I had new people, and I would have classed them as my friends. They were violent people. I wasn't that person. So I wasn't your typical fella fucking you know now what i'm a the fella the typical fella on the yeah, sunday he's going collecting the tick yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was further as much away from that as possible um and i'm not saying i was any maybe any cuter i don't know what way to put it i just used i felt i used my brain a little bit better now i used it for the wrong and i get that but at the end of the day, we all make our own choices and we live by those choices and good or bad. But here I am, I'm able to share now and I'm able to actually lead people in the right direction. But what I will say is nothing good ever comes out of it because there's no one from back in my day has any of that success now. They're either buried or they're fucking locked up or they've been ripped off with all their money. That's exactly what happens in that world. You are not going to make it ever. I don't know anyone. No. So where was the turning point then for you, Derek? Well, the turning point was this. So what I used to do was, um, I used to say, fuck, I need to go on a holiday so I could, could go, I could travel to work, so I could go to South America for a month. But I would do the same thing. I would say I'm coming away from Coke I would do the same there. So I went to New Zealand and Australia for a couple of months. 
And I found a casino and I'd never gambled. So I said, right, I'm going to go in, play cards. I wasn't very good. You know, I lost the sum of money, but I said, right, I'm going to go home and I'm gambling now and not drinking and taking drugs. So what did Derek do? He's 20, 26, 27. I got into gambling. By now at that stage, cocaine, the recession came. So cocaine was no longer as prevalent. Everyone was moving into weed. I said, yeah, I'm going to invest into weed. I did. Uh, I never did anything with it. And I was in a casino every day. And I had lost everything by the time I was 29. I didn't have a pot to piss in. And I was back at home living with my father. So at that stage, everyone thought I was going to take my life because I couldn't leave my room. I was afraid to say anything. I was full of shame. I was full of guilt. How could my life end up like this? I had resorted to robbing. It was sad. Like I would look down on these people, and now I was one of them. So then I uh, had a probation officer at the time, and I just said, fuck this. I said, oh, this, this ain't work for me. And he said, do, do you want to go to treatment? I said, I'll fucking do anything it takes. I said, are you paying for And what did you have know. the probation officer for? Sorry, Derek, for interrupting. Because me. I get into little bits of trouble. So you see, you asked me a question a while ago, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I got into uh, in the Dublin city centre. Do you know a nightclub? Remember the Red Box? Do you remember all yeah, of those nightclubs? Yeah. Well, I used to go there since I was 15. So we used to always go raving, right? I got in a row. I came back from the Bahamas after a month's holiday at about 25. And uh, there was another fellow with me, an associate from Dublin. I got into a row outside of that. And there was charges against me. But those charges were dropped. But what they had the probation officer for was out in my head on ease then a couple of weeks later. And oh, listen. Story short, I was getting done for trespassing into someone's house. I didn't know what I was doing. So that's why I had to There's not. It was a funny story. I really wish sometimes I could hear all the unsolicited stories behind <laughs> it. I have a lot of them, but listen, let's keep it. Let's keep it so that's why I had the probation officer, right? And I'll tell you another good thing, lads. If you if you have money, you'll get away with anything in Ireland because you get a good solicitor. And yeah. I'll put that out there as well, right? Um, so then the question you've asked me, I, why did I have a probation? That's why. Right. So I start crying. I was there. I'm fucked here. I need someone. So he, they said, we'll pay for it. So I went in. They actually asked me to leave after two weeks. They didn't treat me. What? <laughs> yeah. They didn't want me there. And I was there, but where am I going to go? Why do you not want me? Because they said I was trying to get a woman in there and you're not meant to <laughs> and I said no I'm not and where are you listen I don't know <laughs> well I didn't get her in <laughs> I didn't try I said to them listen where am I going to go like my mother doesn't want me no one wants me because at this stage you know there was a lot of stories before it happened I this my brother I had a fallen out with him and there was a which was another absolute lot of guilt on me from the fall previous Christmas. So people were sort of, no, 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 he needs to go somewhere else. So I stayed in treatment and I went down to the house then in um, Ballybeg, actually, in Waterford. Camella is the name of this house. And he stayed there for how long? A year in Camella. And it was one of the best times of my life. Listen, we didn't have any money. So we'd we'd get our dole, we'd give them a hundred. But you see, what I found there, I did have leadership skills. So I started using them. And these were, you know, there's some hardcore fellas in, in this house now, all ranging from 18 to 60. So 
I just start going, right, lads, I'll show you how to eat because I had experience in the gym. And we all started eating and going to the gym. So they sort of, again, took a disliking to me there because they wanted to be the leaders, but people yeah. followed me a little bit more because I wanted to, I said, there's, there's a better way than this. But I did spend a year and it was a great time. It was an absolutely great time um, in that house. And uh, yeah. So that was your turning point then? That was my turning point, but yeah. then I fucked up again for the next five years. So do you want me to yeah, into absolutely. this? Yeah, story? We need to <laughs> yes. hear it all. There's plenty more, right? So I got out of what that. Doesn't, what also doesn't help is that you're a Liverpool fan like myself. <laughs> so like, <laughs> as if Anton Nels wasn't worth you support yeah. Liverpool. Ah, come on. Yeah, I was over there actually, I'm sure, uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago now. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Besides the point, right? So I got out. They placed us in this apartment. The apartment wasn't great. I didn't have a TV, so I had books. And I was going, what will I do? And I said, right, I'm going to open a gym. I love the gym. And people were there like, you're on 200 hours a week. How are you? I'll show you. So I said, fuck this. I said to the guy who ran, do you know anybody in Waterford that has any type of building? Yeah. So first step was meet your man, much do you want? And I told him my story. I said, right, if you give me 400 a month, I won't ask for deposit. Now, girls, you wouldn't have put a dog into this place. There was right, no yeah. plastic on the wall. It was dusty. He said he'd put a toilet in Grand. I'll get the 400. So I went to the Vincent de Paul. And uh, oh, I told my story. Ah, Jesus, no, not a hope. So I must have called and went down there at least 10, 15 times. And your one just said, fuck's sake, here, we're going to give you the 400. Sure, I said, thank wow. you very much. Gave it to him. And the next thing, then I had no equipment. So, what am I going to do for equipment? So, I rang the local government. Oh, there's a year waiting list. I said, fuck that. I went straight up to the office, walked in, sat down. I said, listen, I need a grand this week because I'm after paying 400 euro. He said, fuck, I like your style. He says, right, sit down, let's talk. So, within a week, I got the grand. I knew a guy who sold equipment. And that's, I started a gym. So, I'd met a girl, the mother of my child two years previously in a nightclub in Dublin. She's Maltese, right? So this is why I live in Malta now. And we were back and forth. So she moved while I was building this gym and we both lived together then. So that was, what, eight years ago? And then I had an opportunity to follow this guy, this gym fitness guy. And he was offering this, how you make more money. So I said, fuck it. How much do we have? Two grand. I said, can I, can I spend that? This is all we had now. So we only had food for three days and one of those pays you go electricity for three days. She said, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. So did it. And within six months, it was absolutely thriving. I had three staff. And then I, within a year, we had six staff. And then uh, I went back to Aiken Cocaine again. What? And fucked everything up completely. Lost. So my partner left with my child. He was 10 months old because I was completely snorting coke all day, every day, once again. And this went on for a good few years. I wasn't expecting that. No. Yeah. So, like, it's only in the last number of years when I met my, one of my, well, I would say he's a very good friend of mine who showed me how the mind works uh, that I sorted myself out. When I moved to Malta three years ago, it was the best thing I ever did. And I, you know, got rid of the gym because I kept building the gym up. Self-sabotage, burn yeah. it down, build it up, burn it down. Very thriving gym at one point, but uh, just I didn't have the capabilities back then of what I have now. So, yeah. So how did you get off it then that time? Did you have to go back to treatment or what way did you do it? No, met a guy who I was recommended to. Now, he doesn't like being named, so I'm not going to name him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I went into his office. I was recommended, and he said, "What's wrong with you?" I didn't tell him anything about coke. I said, "I have anxiety and I have depression." He started laughing. He said, "What the fuck are you going on about?" And I got angry. I said, "What do you mean?" And he started looking like this. Where is it? I said, "What are you doing? Where is your anxiety?" I said, "I have it." No, he says, "You don't have it." I started laughing. So. He was breaking the stigma because I'm telling you now, lads, those things are feelings. And I know this now because I've worked with a lot of people. So he started teaching me how the mind works. Now I start applying it to myself and start, fuck, this is good. This is very good. So then I said, I want to do this. And he said, you should do it. You'd be good at it. So I said, right, I'm going to take three points and start doing a small bit of posting about it on Facebook a few years ago. Guys came to me and got results. And uh, here I am now, sort of a little over three years later and this is what we do. Uh, I sort of fell into, to an extent, a number of months ago to fully fall into this way because I wrote, a, I wrote, did a reel that went viral. And I said, fuck, man, this is unreal, like the amount of people I could potentially help. And I didn't stop since. Wow. So I've always been, I liked helping people, guiding yeah. people, I would say, because I don't believe anyone is actually helpless, but guiding and leading people in the right direction. But people need skills. They need to have a purpose. They need to know how their mind works, and that's what I—that's what we offer—a uh, a way to move forward. Like because a lot of people feel, well, we have to go to these meetings, we have to manage our lives. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. That's bullshit. I think you're a lot more appealing to go to someone who's been through it all. Like I'd rather go to you than what I'd call a therapist. I call them nodding no. dogs because I literally think they just sit there and nod at you. Yeah, and yeah. how did that make you feel? And I used to be like, I'm getting no- like nothing from this and I just still feel like shit all the time where with you you know what you're talking about you know how it all works and you're like look I I have something good I can teach you how to get better Grant where instead of going to a as I said a therapist and being like so then how did that make you feel like as you said before you don't need a degree you don't need a like all this shit you just need life experience and I totally believe that I have a therapist now and she's so relatable and it took me yeah. so long to find someone who's like no Tasha this is what you're gonna do and I'm like oh okay and the minute yeah. I started getting that back I was like okay now I get it but as I said nodding these nodding dogs don't work they don't work and I'd rather someone with life experience than paper yeah, you're you're 100% right. That's why most people come and it's great having it, but obviously you have to have the skills as well to back it up. So people realize quite quickly, fuck. And you know, I say to people, it's not for everyone because it's going to take hard work. It's going yeah. to take, it's hard mental labor, hard physical labor, and it's not for everybody. It's mm-hmm. just not. People like to sell themselves the story that oh, yeah, I'll do what it takes, but the reality is when the work starts, oh, this is a bit too difficult. Because if you have to think of it like this, they're living a certain way. So these men, now we have four four ladies on the books, but it's 99% uh, men that are attracted to what I say, where they're, they're living a certain way that is producing results they don't want. So to actually have to come over to the other side, you have to live by a certain different set of values, stand, which I don't believe many people even know what a fucking value is, which mm-hmm. is strange. Values, standards, protocols, and rules. And that takes discipline and persistence and focus. Now, they are skills none of us have when we were born. We must work at them. It's like sharpening your sword if you're so sharpening your axe, whatever way you want to look at it. But even they're not enough because you have to know how your mind works, how your talk process works, how your self-talk works. And that's what I've spent a lot of time learning, but applying, learning and applying. 
to get to this stage and it's taken me years to get here so people can go well this fella came out of nowhere well not really mm -hmm. because not only do i have all the experience of what i told you but now I, i've moved over to the other side through fucking determination and hard work so i can actually go to somebody well no you're full of shit you didn't do the work because if you did because the work works mm -hmm. and um it's really as simple as that so like we we've we've a large group of men now and it's absolutely thriving first um because you have to be in alignment so if i if i if I'm not in alignment with what I'm saying online, you know, you'll get away with that because a lot of people are online talking yeah. that and it's not right. Like when you're in congruent with your message and in alignment, it's again, goes back, what you put out, you should receive. And that is true. This is the way, you know, the laws of the universe, all of that. Now I do do some of that, but it's only 10% of, of the program. Whereas the reality of it is there's two ways, right? People will dig their grave. That's true how they think and true how they self-talk. But the same two ways will be the bridge to exactly what they want. And um, I'm very blessed to be in this situation, I have to say. I feel very fortunate and I will not be stopping. I will be putting this up another gear for the rest of this year and even another gear. And yeah, uh, I will not stop till this message is spread to millions. And we're already getting the millions. I have a reel that's hit 1.4 million last week. How wow. fucking crazy Isn't is that? that mad like, to oh. know that that many people <laughs> has watched you. It. You know what I mean? Like, how mad is but that? But again, it's because you're relatable. Like, you came mm. across them because something hit you and you're like, oh my God. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? That's so relatable. It's you're universal, I yeah. think. Because <clears throat> a lot of the time we can think that this problem, in my head, the way that I see it, I'm like, oh, with the way you're saying cocaine is a pandemic, I always picture that as being here because we are here in Ireland and my experience in terms of dealing with people who are having these problems are in Ireland yeah. and I see the bad things that are happening due to it like we've spoken about it before I had an ex-partner who was very much into taking yeah. drugs and I have sworn forever like when I my mom's always like when are you going to find someone I'm like mom I'll meet someone when it's right but I will never be with someone who does those things again. And unfortunately, that's now shrunk. I know. Yeah. My, and I'm, I'm not making this about me or anything no. like that, but I will not be with someone who does that again. And for me to find someone now who doesn't do those things it's is really clear. hard. So I was with someone for a year and a half and he was on the bag every weekend and I had no clue. Yeah. And like, like absolutely that's no clue. Nice. Like I was like, what? And everyone was like, can you not see? Like he's on the bag. And I'm like, sorry? What? Like, am I just so oblivious? Was I oblivious or mm -hmm. like, am I naive? Like, I'm 34. It's just, it, you just don't know like who's on it and who's you really not don't. at this stage. Yeah. It's madness. It's crazy. Like, I just, I can't get over. But what I do want to know, if you don't mind going into it a little bit. So your process, your method. Yeah. Someone walks in, let's just say mid-twenties fella, dry sniffing all the time, yeah. in debt, not going anywhere in his life at the minute. What do you start with? How do you tell yeah. them to start changing? What's the first sort of things that you tell them to do? That's a great question. Well, let, let, me, <laughs> let, me be, let me be very straight up, right? There's no, we don't take any type of bullshit in this program. If you're coming into a program, you're paying us a healthy fee because if you're fucking well able to go out and blast cocaine up your nose, you're going to fucking pay to get off. Let's right. be straight about that. And I'll tell you what, it's not about the money. That's that's fucking commitment, right? And this is why we've 200. So we're like a day and up. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, this fella's sound. Let's get him on a call. So it's either going to be me or I have a director of enrollment to be tied to call. Now, if they sign up, 
None of these fellas have purpose. Now, the first point of mindset, because fuck all people know anything about mindset, they'd go, oh, mindset coach. Everybody's a mindset guru. Don't have a clue, right? So you and me, the three of us are goal-seeking organisms. So what are we missing in life? Most people are missing a goal, a, a target. Now, I'm not talking about a small target. I'm talking about something that's going to be achieved in two years. That is the first point. Now, if you think about the mind, what is the mind? It is thoughts. So what causes these feelings? A thought causes a feeling. So my formulas are I'll show someone how to manage their state, which is their mood. Then we will put a plan in place. Then we will have protocols. Then we will have their values, their standards, and they will have a list that is going to move them forward there. I will show them how to get into their subconscious and start reprogramming it through specifics. I can't really get into here last yeah, night. Yeah, of course. Hours. How to get in right. Here's the, here's the I'm going to give you two things, right? So your view, you will understand in your viewers. When people are talking to me first, you're going, but I don't know, Derek. Why do I keep doing it? Well, the reality is they don't know. That's the fact. Yeah. So your subconscious is your emotional mind. So it's like, lads, do you brush your teeth in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We don't think. It's like I go get a, I brush my teeth, I get a coffee exactly at seven. Bang. It's programmed. We've put feeling behind it. And that's it. It just happens. And when someone takes too much cocaine, it basically creates a, ha a habit. A habit is a multitude of ideas. And they've put so much feeling into this cocaine being fucking high that now they want to come off and it's like, why do I keep doing it? I say I don't want to do it. So the solution and the problem is in the subconscious, but it's also with what I call association. It's like a fucking straitjacket you can't get out of. No one has the key. And what that is is, that person, like me, I had, I'd say, I'll never do it again. Right, three hours. Fuck, the thought comes in. What does Derek do? He, and everyone else, they attach the feeling. But the feeling isn't the consequences or the nightmare. The feeling is when they first start doing it, that beautiful first two lines. Then they'll do the behavior, and then they'll do the action of taking it, right? So that's what needs to be disassociated. We that's do that mad. through the mind. and We do it from a third-party experience. Um Oh, there's a lot I could go on. I could say a lot. Listen, lads, when you when you understand this stuff, it will change your life. But I'll tell you, it's not for everyone again because, because people have to be disciplined and do the work on a day-to-day -day basis. So it has to be disassociated. The habit has to be changed. And the only way they can be changed is through continuous repetition, 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 along with having a goals. And then we'll get the picture constructed. We'll get them living in that fucking picture for some time throughout the day. We'll get that imprinted on their mind. We'll start removing the bullshit out of it. So the outcome of working with us is clear and accurate thinking, goal-seeking, goal-achieving, and having purpose in life. And that's what's missing from all that other bullshit therapy. Wow. Do you ever, like, get someone and they're like, this is what I want to do, and then... They're like, oh no, feck that, like can't be bothered. But do you ever look and be like, oh, I really want to help that person? You know what I mean? And I know they don't want it, but do you ever be like, oh, I really wish I could get into their head? Yeah. Like, or do you do, just see I them do. as like a lost cause? Like you're like, they're not ready. Well, you have to be ready. Like, yeah. listen, we've had people who signed up that clearly weren't ready to just go missing. It's going to happen. You have to understand one moment they're in a good state yeah. and then then maybe they sniff three grams they're not in a good state so on cocaine it's very it's like this so you know it's a case of them people oh like i'm actually doing one now a few weeks and i can have a drink yeah and that's not a good move is it really so i we're setting people up for success meaning there's going to be challenges now, we can perceive that as a failure or we can go, right, let's find a solution. So I expect all these challenges because you're dealing with people 
who have been fucked up for a long yeah. time. So, you know, you can't expect everything to be perfect. It's not going to be. And I tell everybody this, but the difference with us is we've such a thriving Facebook community and a thriving WhatsApp community that if I just put men or women in there, they probably wouldn't use again because it is so solution focused. I will say to someone, if there's pity party, you're out if you yeah. talk like that again. Like if someone, so say someone used, oh, poor you. No, no, no. Fuck that. What did you learn? Did, why didn't you go to this lesson? Because I have a whole mindset series done out and I'm going live with them in 50 minutes. I go live with them all in, in twice a week. So, and I go through specifics with them. Action steps. This is what you do. They have an accountability manager who gives them support. I'm in the groups every day. They're 24-7 support. You cannot get away but get results wow. only by doing the work done. Yeah. So in terms of your life, Derek, I don't know how, I know the wording of this isn't going to be right, but if are you clean or sober or do you mark those like milestones yourself? No. No? I don't give a fuck. Really? I'm clean and sober, yeah. Yeah, but you don't I'm mark not, anything. I'm, I don't mark it and go, "Hey, I'm a hundred days great." Yeah. Listen, I'm not against that. And I'm not judging anyone. Like, yeah. Do what I've been in. Listen, I've been through the system. Yeah. Like, listen, whatever works. 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 I'm not. Yeah. I'm just saying. I know what works. I don't claim to know to know everything. I don't. But I'll tell you. I will talk about what I know, and I know what I know works. Yeah. for the people we have that are attracted to what we do. So, no, I don't mark anything. I can now go out and have a half a bottle of wine if I want. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. I, I can control my mind. You can enjoy I, it as well, it, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't need to, but, like, I'm too busy. I, I like training, you know. Well, this is where my question idea. was actually coming to. So the reason why I asked the question is because you, along with your inspirational messages and videos on your TikTok and your mm. Instagram and your Facebook, a lot of fitness stuff um, is posted there as yeah. well for yourself. Yeah. But the reason I ask is because you actually had an injury only a short yeah. while ago. And my question was, when that injury happened and that fortress that you, I would perceive, built with fitness, as in that's yeah. your, your safe, not your safe place, but your thing you love the most that gives you the most gratitude yeah. and the most endorphins when that's taken away from you did those little niggles come back into your head to be like fuck this well they didn't they didn't but that was two years ago so it was christmas basically lads i slipped to this they pressed up against nerves and i couldn't sleep i mean i don't know if you've ever asked this and the nerves were fucking horrendous so literally i had to go into hospital three times in time to give me morphine they wouldn't do it eventually they did and then I had to take painkillers for about a month. But then I had a guy that was working for me. So he, well, he came on board after and he fixed it without surgery because I was told, but three separate, do- no, you need surgery. This, of course, uh, but this is the problem. You need surgery. No, I didn't. So I was never going to get surgery. I'd go any conventional route like that because I just know it doesn't ever cure anything. So I was in it. Would I went to a dark place? Yes, because here's a fella who was at peak physical condition, especially that Christmas. I had just come off 75 days of training twice a day, shredded, feeling gray, and then the next day, click. Oh, my God. And I'd lost. Like, I came back to Malta a month later, and people looked at me. Is that you? What wow. the fuck happened? I had no muscle. <laughs> so I rebuilt it. So you're talking, you see, these are adversities and these are the challenges I tell people. They're yeah. going to happen. Life is life. Like if you're looking for the perfect world, lads, you were going to 
keep building these expectations that are going to be just taken away from you. Whereas the reality of it is, it's not actually reaching a goal. The enjoyment for me and what I'm still in, we will say to people is enjoy the process. Then when you get to the goal, it's okay, celebrate and move forward again. It's the day to day. And I don't want to say it is discipline. It has to be learned. Discipline has to be learned if you want any form of success in your life. And a great place to learn focus and discipline is in the gym. Yeah. Because I was just trying to think, like, if the way you've just described that, like, that's brilliant that you were able to come through it and you were so mindset, you had your mindset right that you were able to move through it. Do you think as yeah. a mid-20-year-old man with the dark place that you were in, the mental health that you had, do you think if that happened then that you would have dealt with it in the same way? I think you can answer that yeah. question. <laughs> I was just going to say... <laughs> Uh, no, uh, no, definitely not. I listen, I wouldn't have felt the pain. I was taking so much cocaine, so I probably would have done a hundred times more damage. Yeah. I, I'd feel no pain on cocaine. Wow. Do you think now you've healed, you've healed the person that you were before? Like, do you think you've fully like healed that inside you? I would say 95%. Yes. There's, there's, there's about 5% around relationships. All my vices have been sorted out except for around how I've acted in certain relationships, especially the mother and my child. So that's the next 5%, which I believe the next six months will be resolved. And then I will be a fully grown man at 40. That is amazing. <laughs> but like for you to even say that, you know what I mean? Like some men would never say that about yeah. themselves. And would never even realize there's anything wrong to admit that they needed. To, and the oh, same 100%. with women. Yeah. And the same yeah. to admit that they have problems in order to change yeah. them and make themselves better. Well, we're all, I, I think one thing about life, lads, we're always going to have problems. And I think the bigger, the further you go, the more problems you're going to have. But this is why it's too, we would say I have that mental fortitude, that mental strength. And I, that does come from experience because I will never want to go back to how I felt. Uh, it's not, it's only, it's only a few years ago. Like it's not that long ago, do you know, this has been just for fucking 35 years of my life feeling a certain way it takes time like i say to people that don't like the truth the truth hurts people and i say you're gonna have to do a year then what do you mean i said you have to do this for a year to have it as a habit you can be consistent for 12 weeks but it's not a habit a habit is takes a year and when you get to that year i'll tell you you'll never look back that's when your life really starts taking off and it's true for me because i can speak from experience wow and apart from that 5% that you're thinking of in the next few months, what are your new goals for the future? Because obviously your goals that you would have set originally yeah. have now been reached. So what are your mm. new goals? What are the plans for the future for you? Yeah, like in two years, I'm telling you now, I'm going to be speaking in a stadium with minimum 20,000 people. That's what I will be doing. I love that. And I will not stop. I will see this message. I will get it out now as much as possible. TikTok is good for it. Yeah. Uh, Facebook is really good. Instagram, whatever. I don't really care about Instagram, but f Facebook and TikTok for me um, is getting millions of views now a week. And now I need to transfer that because I, I like sharing my message. I, I just like it because I know certain people will listen, will soak it in. Like if you've seen some of the comments we get, it would nearly, it would make you cry. Derek, you have saved my life from just writing mm -hmm. posts. Like, it's crazy. And this is why I'll never stop, because it's not that people need someone like me. It's people are missing something. And I'm not saying I'm the missing link, but I certainly can help. You're almost like the trigger. The yeah, you know, and that's, you know, I, 
I can't express how grateful I am. And I do. Like, it's very emotional for me now, the position I'm in, because I go, fuck, I'm impacting people's lives. So I'm just going, this is what I said, and just drive it up another gear now, and I just keep going. This is my life. So I know buyers go, fucking see that feeling on a bit of mission. <laughs> but it is my mission right now. No, and that's so good for someone who was in for a lot of his teenage life or someone who was in such a dark place to be now like, do you know what? I am people's missing link. Like I can help them. Like that's amazing from how far you've come in the space of a couple of years that you're like, no, I am worthy. I am here and I am here to help people who need me. And that's like, that's just massive. Um, It is. And, but psych, there's, I don't know how many millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people. This this, this is what we're talking about. Like, ah, Like people, people are getting ruined from coca. Absolutely ruined. Um, and it's you know you said you were talking about Ireland, like, but Jesus Christ, like we we have clients in twelve countries. It's the same story. Yeah, same story off all those men. No different than what's happening in Ireland is happening in Canada, America, Australia, New Zealand, across Europe. Same fucking shit, over and over. And they've tried everything, and nothing has worked. Up until they've met you. You are. Well, I didn't want to say that. Because... <laughs> well, we can we'll say, say it for you. you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, but you should be so bloody proud. Like, yeah, yeah. like, you know what I mean? You've people done this tip-toe. for people. People tiptoe around this conversation yeah. because they're afraid to offend someone or say things that might be wrong or they might do it themselves and they don't want to admit it. Whereas you're yeah. like, fuck that. Yeah. This is what's happening. We need to stand up and be accountable for what's happening. And that's what makes you so relatable on TikTok is that you're yeah. like, no, I know what you're fucking doing at the weekend. You're on the bag. <laughs> you're feeling like a fucking idiot. I used to feel that way. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're yeah. like, oh, he knows actually. So like, no, fair play. And I can see you in the tree arena, on the stage. Yeah. Sold out. Definitely. Three nights. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah we'll be there. We'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, I, VIP tickets. Oh, yeah. Yes, you heard it here. <laughs> it'll be now be cocaine free now. <laughs> oh, we'll check the bags on the way in. <laughs> yeah, we'll check everyone's bags. Oh, lads. <laughs> Derek, thank you so much for coming so on much. and being so open and honest. And yeah. honestly, you it just shines from you how much you do want to change people's lives and for what you've done for yourself, you should be absolutely so proud. And as I said, we will see you in the tree arena. I know we will. Definitely. 100%. No, listen, uh, it was an absolute pleasure. And thank you to the two of you for inviting me on. I, do you know what? I've had a, this, was, this has been good now. I feel good. It's been a good laugh as well, along with sharing a message. So no, I appreciate the two of you. Big oh, thanks. Thanks thank so, you much, so much, Derek. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the T's and C's podcast. We'll be uploading posts and stories about upcoming episodes and guests. And you can also email us at the T's and C's pod at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, rate and hit the bell to receive new episode notifications on Spotify. Bye. Bye.